the only thing that matters is hearing God. And if your governance is there to please people, if your governance is there to keep a budget or whatever, it doesn't work. Your, your governance has to hear God. And so, again, I know some of you are in a government that you can't change right now. Uh, it may be a, a, a congregational government. It, it may be uh, a, a denominational governance or whatever. But but I'm saying, we're saying this to say, this is what works. Yes. And if you're struggling and it's not working, that's why it's not working, is because God's not going to bless it because it doesn't represent him. Welcome to the Built for War podcast. I'm so glad that you joined me today. This podcast exists for the purpose of helping leaders, is helping to equip you, especially church leaders, you know, and that's that's where I come from. And I'm joined today uh, by two pastors that I'm very closely associated with. One is Pastor Jimmy Witcher from Trinity Fellowship Church in Amarillo, and I pastored there for many years. And you mm -hmm. had the you had the blessing of taking over <laughs> after me. That's right. But you're you're still there. So <laughs> so I'm still there. I'm still uh, a senior elder there, and I That's still right. speak there, and you guys are wonderful to me. Pastor Lee Cummings uh, from Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Great to be senior here. Senior pastor, thank you for being here with me. And I'm also, Lee and I have been friends for 25, 30 years, and I'm on yeah. your board also. Yep. That's and, right. Uh, wonderful, two <clears throat> wonderful churches. And I also want to say that both of these men lead uh, church networks and apostolic church networks. We're going to talk about that a little bit in this episode because we're talking about church government. Um, Trinity Fellowship Association of Churches. Yes, sir. And Radiant Church Association. Yeah, Radiant Network. Radiant Network. Mm -hmm. And so, and we're going to tell you guys how you can contact them, but uh, even if you're in a denomination or even if you have another association, these are relational networks where you have roundtables where pastors come, relate to conferences, but, but you have real people. That's right that are in relationship. I have, I have a friend in Arizona and he's a part of a denomination and someone from the denomination has not been in his building for 25 years. And he, and, and so he is looking for a relationship. Right. And so it's the healthiest. Both of these churches are healthy from the inside out. And it's they're, they're just the governance, the staff, the congregation, healthy churches. And so we want to talk about on this episode today, healthy church government. I also want to say, we have a pastor school, uh, Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Lee, myself, John Chastain. We teach a pastor school. It's coming up March 4th through the 6th of 2024, uh, just in a few months. And so it's a very small group. It, we limit it to about 100 people. Uh, it's here at our Exo Center here in South Lake, Texas. It's going to be March 4th through 6th, and we teach on how we do church. Uh, the whole purpose, very practical. We have in every session, we have a lot of Q&A. So it's very interactive. So it, we'll have a very limited group. It will fill up. So if you're interested in coming to Pastor School, go to pastorschool.com, and you can see all the information there and have an opportunity to sign up. We would love to have you be a part of that. So let, let's let's talk about church government. This this is about healthy church government. Um, I heard a dietitian on TV one time uh, say, "If you this was this was kind of a shocking statement," he said. Tell me what you eat, and I'll predict your illnesses with accuracy. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I thought, I'm not telling you what I eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know that I want to go there. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and so, what, after being beat up for many years uh, in church because of our government was not good mm -hmm. when I took over, 
Um, I, what I say is, you t tell me your church government, and I'll predict your problems with accuracy. That's right. Mm. And good church government does not eliminate problems. It just means you can process them. That's right. Okay. That's right. Uh, if, if you have a good marriage, it doesn't mean that you never fight. It just means you can process your anger. Okay, You can get the anger out. So healthy churches still have problems. But governance means that we're set up in such a way to where we can process through our problems. And you, we all have the same form of government, maybe a few differences. But so we're going to talk about it. So um, different types of church governance, uh, democratic, congregational, which means the congregation votes. They vote on the pastor. They vote on stuff. What do y'all think about that? <laughs> I would I would go back into the dog food business before I would do that. <laughs> I mean, that's just a uh, such a challenging form of government and, and totally unbiblical. Yeah. yeah. It's I think it's a great form of government for nations. It's a terrible form of government for yeah. churches. Yeah. Well, the old saying is the church is run from heaven down, not the pew up. That's right. And uh, so we, we don't believe. And, and some of you may be involved in that. Uh, and again, we're going to talk about the the church associations here because in the congregational system you're being voted on constantly hmm. and it's just it's just the 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 authorities in the wrong place that's literally right. voted on literally voted on that's right yeah mm -hmm. my, my friend my uh, my neighbor came to my front yard one day crying uh, our brent and his son played baseball together and i said why are you crying he said i'm being voted on sunday night he said they sit me on on the stage they sit my family on the front row and they take a hands up or hands down vote if I'm going to stay two more years. And I said, I, th I think I'd be for being voted down. He said, he said, I'm, I'm real uh, conflicted. He said, I, I don't know if I want to be voted in or not. But he, you have to watch the people voting against you. Yeah, you get to know who they are. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. That's so terrible. The second form is oligarchy or singular headship, as in two or three people are the governance. It's just a very small group, and of course. There's there's no accountability. Uh, when, a lot of times when you hear about real dysfunctional, real corrupt churches, they have an oligarchy. Now, Presbyterianism is a laity-run church with a disempowered pastor, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where you have a group of congregation members that run it. We don't believe in that. Episcopal form of government is strong centralized control with disempowered local leaders. And so the Vatican City, mm -hmm. you know, and then the Episcopal, not Vatican City, but you have this power group here, and there are there are denominations in America that that's how they operate. Mm -hmm. That yeah. the, the local pastor doesn't have any authority. Um, I, I could sit here and name them, and I won't do that. But um, we we believe in the strong senior pastor with accountability. Now I have I have a couple of, of types of church government here that we're going to talk about. One is shadow government. Mm -hmm. Now, a shadow government means it appears this way, but it's really this way. And so you'll have some churches that say, well, here's our form of governance. Yeah, we, it's on the website. This, this is what yeah, we do. That's right. Well, there was a major moral failure that took place about 15 years ago, and they, they called me in to help this church. The pastor, it, they were $25 million in debt, and they thought they were debt-free. <laughs> the the pastor was having sexual relations with dozens of I mean it, it was it was horrible, so I came in uh, into and we set in a new government. The church is doing fantastic today, and um, I said, "What is your government?" And they said, "We have elders, we have a board, and we have overseers." Well, all three of the different groups thought the other group was overseeing the pastor. Right. 
and no one was overseeing the pastor. Yeah. It was compl- it, it was a shadow government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the pastor would go all over the country talking about his fantastic governance and how they had, you know, well, it, it, it was a, a sham. Well, okay, this is my favorite one here. The other form of church government is mafia. <laughs> this is a new one. I haven't heard you bring this one up before. <laughs> this is a, I, I, I'm coming up with news all the time. <laughs> mafia, power boss with enforcers, fear-based and spiritually abusive. Yeah. Now, I've got churches in mind, and I'm not going to say any names. But I'm telling you, there are church. Now, again, this is a shadow government because a mm-hmm. lot of times they will appear as yep. though they have accountability and they'll brag about their accountability and whatever. But I'm telling you, there are churches that, I mean, it's all fear. It is. And, and you look at all of the, I mean, it seems like every year there's another failing, there's another uh, organization that is struggling, a church or a, a ministry. Every single one of them has one of these forms of That's government. right. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So much of... So much of the weakness and uh, the exposure of failures and scandals and corruption within churches is the result of bad government. Mm-hmm. And that's you right. really don't know that you have bad government until pressure is put upon that's your right. government. And that's when it exposes all the the things that you're able to keep in the shadows and kind of keep tight to yourself and your inner circle. But there comes points where your bylaws, uh, your right. your your form of government, and even how you uh, treat and extend authority to the senior pastor when that all comes to bear. Yeah. Well, we've been through hell. Uh, Jimmy and I have been through hell. And, uh, and I mean, literally, we just, we've been through hell as a church and came out on the other side better, uh, tested every single nut, bolt, and screw in our church government. Absolutely. And and it, it worked. And so we we started out uh, now the the last one I have here is singular headship with plural leadership. This is what we practice, and this is what we believe in. So there's a there's real authority in the single head, but there's real accountability, mm-hmm. okay, and we're going to talk about that in more detail. And so the uh, um, when I became pastor of Trinity, uh, we had had two senior pastors in a very short period of time, and both one resigned, one one was very weak. Um, and just didn't lead, and the, and, the, and the elders became too strong, and the other was came into a very dysfunctional situation, kind of took over, and he became too strong, and the elders became kind of weak. And so when I stepped in, it was a dysfunctional mess. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I never took a class on church governance. I never, you know, and and you know, the Bible gives principles, but it's not real specific. That's right. In many cases, about how church government works, but someone said one time. The bad thing about poor theology isn't that it's wrong, is that it doesn't work. And <laughs> one, so good. One of the reasons that you know that your that your governance is bad uh, is it doesn't work. Right. Is it practically? Yeah. And many denominations today are dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it you can trace almost all of it back to poor governance. It, some, something's wrong there. So three uh, beliefs, and we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of all this here in just a minute. But the first the first belief. When it says single headship with plural leadership, we believe in theocratic governance. Right. Which means the number one role of the pastor and the elders is to hear God. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's exactly right. In fact, I think one of the biggest challenges with church government as we work with our networks and work with other churches is people want to take a corporate perspective, like a business corporate perspective of a board and superimpose that mm-hmm. over onto the church board. And, and that's the biggest failing because a corporate board has fiducial responsibility to represent the stakeholders in the, in 
you know, the, the investors or the stakeholders to the management. Whereas a, a church governance is responsible for representing God that's to right. the congregation. That's right. And yeah. so getting, getting that straight is so important. And that's, that's what we mean by theocratic government. We're, yeah. we're going to hear from God. We're going to represent what God says to the yeah. congregation. We're not there to represent the congregation of leadership. That's right. And that's one of the, that's one of the weaknesses of the American church. I think there are a lot of strengths in the American church, but we, we kind of joke about democratic form of government, but the reality is it's in the mindset. It's right. in the subconscious of Americans that everything's democratic. And so I should have a say. And when you go back in the Old Testament, the only time you see an attempt at democratic government was a man named Korah, who basically <laughs> said to Moses, hey, we hear well. from God exactly. just like you do, and we should all have a say on this. Yeah. And he said, well, let's have a vote. Let's let God have the defining, yeah. the deciding vote. And uh, if if he's with me, if God's with me, and me as the singular uh, leader of Israel, uh, then God will prove that. And if he's with you and with, if what you're saying is true and God answered, he opened up yeah. the earth and swallowed the opposing yeah. team up and God takes this stuff very, very seriously. Yes, Absolutely. The, it's the fear of man. And you know, the people in, in having your finger in the wind all the time, of what the people want, see God will always do what's best for people. When you're hearing God and implementing what God says, it's always best for the people. That's right. And we love the people. We don't fear the people. We fear God. That's, That's right. right. And so what I say to pastors all the time is there's one question. There's only one question I even care about. What will God bless? That's it. He'll That's bless right. his word. He'll never bless anything other than his word. God doesn't bless good ideas. He blesses his ideas. That's right. And so my responsibility as a senior pastor is to get vision, mm -hmm. vision for the church. That's the most important thing in the church is vision. Is going before the Lord. What do you, what do you want us to do? What are what are your priorities? What's your burden? What's the specific purpose for this church? All churches have a common purpose, but we also have a specific identity. My name is Jimmy Evans. Jimmy's the individual. Evans is the group. Hmm. So every church has an individual identity, but also a group identity. Mm -hmm. And so, as an individual, who are we? And the Lord gives you that vision. Okay, and the elders help flesh that out. That's the right. Plural yeah. uh, leadership help flesh that out. And so for a lot of churches, they're trying to constantly please people, and it's impossible. If you have 100 people in church, you have 10,000 opinions represented. Mm -hmm. Is that oh, you just, it'll wear right. you out. And so uh, I, we make decisions, uh, both as the elders. Uh, if We do not allow politicians into our eldership. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Is that right? Yeah. If, and eldership is, you know, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but... Uh, Eldership is so much more than appointing men who have wealth or business acumen. Oftentimes, that's the qualifications for who gets on church boards. It's like, that's oh, this exactly guy gives right. a lot of money yeah. or this guy runs a business. But the Bible's very clear about specific qualifications mm -hmm. for men who are going to lead as elders in the church, that they have to be spiritual men. That's, That's the right. first and the foremost thing. Right. And so many people make a mistake, put the wrong people on their boards who are worldly in their thinking and not spiritual, and it creates havoc. Well, we've had, we're going to do a program on removing leaders, um, and, and, that, and that's coming up here pretty quick. But the, you, you put a person on your board that has money or is, or is a politician, and by politician meaning in, in our elders' meetings, mm -hmm. If we have an elders meeting and an elder says, well, let me tell you what people are saying. We shut that yeah, down. That's right. Is that we don't tell us what people are saying. We're here to find out what God's saying. And we care about the people. Um, and there are times that we might talk about, you know, what people are saying. But the the whole issue is if, if God says it, God will bless it. 
So theocratic government means the church is run from heaven down, the senior pastor and the eldership. We're here to hear God. Now, you were telling me, Jimmy, about a a meeting that you were in, and and the elders at Trinity are wonderful men, godly men, but some of the business guys in the eldership, and you have staff and non-staff elders. Right. So some of the business guys were kind of beating you up about something that was going on, you know, and this is losing money and this, this. And, <laughs> and finally, you kind of had enough and you, you, came, you came back and said, guys, you remember we prayed about this and God told us to do this? Uh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, and we had a great conversation about it. And because it is so important, you know, that we, we need to talk about the business stuff. You know, we need to talk about the finances. We need to look at the budget. We need to, you know, pay attention to what's going on. That's important to know. But there's a moment in every elders meeting where we have to shift from the business and the, you know, the practical and the tactical, and we've got to get to the faith That's side. Right. We've That's got to right. get to the place of like, yeah. okay, now that we, we, we understand where we are, what is God saying? Yeah. And, and what is God saying about this? And, and one of the things I've noticed is, you know, we, we've had an elder, one of our dear friends, um, who he has always been known as the faith guy. Yeah. And so every conversation that we're having, we would always have the business discussion. And I get it. I mean, I came out of the business world, so I, I, I like having those discussions. Yeah. But at the end, we need to transition to say, okay, what is God saying? Yeah. And uh, and my faith guy was not there that night, and so, <laughs> they're, uh, so they're beating you so, up pretty hard. So, so we never we never got through we never got through to the to the other end. And I, I went home. I think I even called you. Yeah. And I just I went home and I was just exhausted. And I'm like, why <laughs> am I so tired? And I was like, oh, it's because we never we just never even thought. No, and nobody raised that. I didn't think even as the the chairman of the group, I should have led better. But we didn't even think about. Okay, what is God saying now? Yeah. Okay, now that we've analyzed where we are, what is God saying in this moment in light of the vision that he's given us? What is God saying? And and how do we activate what he's saying in faith? It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. Lee, you were telling me about it. And again, you've got great elders who are great. Men, but they were, yeah, they were kind of beating you up over a bunch of little stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I think on on eldership, we also have, we have staff elders and non-staff elders, and they're incredible men. But- uh, you'll you'll see people's personalities and their propensity to yeah. either you mentioned mm-hmm. a faith guy you'll have people that are faith people it's like if you if you said we're going to buy a, a third world nation and we're going to start a youth <laughs> camp they'd say let's, let's go, go. If god and, says it let's do it and then there then there are people it's like if you say we're going to buy three toothbrushes for guest speakers they would want to form a committee <laughs> yeah. to decide what color and and <laughs> should it be firm or should it be soft and should it be colgate or yeah. crest you know and so uh I, there have been times where in those elders meetings where you're you're sitting there and you, you know you've heard from God and yeah. you might even have a majority of people that are sitting there who say, I know that this is the Lord, but th- there are those moments of tension where yeah. you'll have people speak up and maybe they're political and it's like, well, I don't know how people are going to respond to That's that. That's exactly right. Or, you know, look at our budget, l- yeah. where are things at right now? And I don't know if we should really push that. We need more, you know, savings or different things like that. And how you manage those moments That's right. as leaders are just as important as the issues that are on the table. That's right. A- absolutely. You know, and you want to hear all the voices, but the but the political situation. And the other thing is like how much we have in the bank. Why? We've made some of the biggest decisions we yeah. ever made when we were broke. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, in fact, I tell the story, and I'll say this very quickly. Bethesda Outreach Center in Amarillo has been there for 35 years. Thriving mm-hmm. benevolence ministry. We, uh, we were broke. We were in a building, a terrible building. 
the fire marshal was threatening to shut us down. Um, we didn't have any money. We couldn't move. We couldn't, we, we couldn't fix our problems. And the Lord spoke to me. He gave me Isaiah 58. And it's the 10 blessings that God promises for people who undo the yoke, who divide your bread with the hungry, who let the oppressed go free. In other words, and the Lord said, I want you to start a mercy ministry. It's called Bethesda because Bethesda means house of mercy. We borrowed $50,000 from the bank. Only one bank in town would talk to us. We had to give personal guarantees. The elders, every the, elder had every, to sign a personal wow, guarantee. Every elder had to wow. sign a personal guarantee because we were so broke. <clears throat> we rented a casket company, which we now, which we now own. <laughs> it was the Texas Coffin Company. We remodeled, and the Lord told me, dignify the poor. And we, this place looked like uh, Nordstrom's. Dignify the poor. You bring these people in the front door, and you let them know how special they are. Our clothing area looks like Nordstrom's. I mean, it's mm. just beautiful, well-organized. Well and I told the people in the church, I said, we, we need clothes, and don't bring us your old clothes. If you won't wear it, I don't want it. We had to tell them to stop bringing clothes. Yeah. And so uh, we've given away millions and millions of pounds of food, clothes. Yeah, 350,000 meals a year. 350,000 meals a year. We opened the doors on that building. And I'm, I'm saying this now to say we were broke. And we were being threatened to have our building shut down. And what the Lord said right. to me is, go start a mercy ministry. Yeah. We opened the doors of that building. And that day, we got a $10,000 check. Now, $10,000. We had never had a $10,000 check. Huh. And another one and more giving. And the giving in our church went like this in one year. And we moved. We were able to buy land, build a building, and move. And I look back at that, uh, at those kinds of situations and just say, if you're always checking your your bank balance, yeah. And it's important. You know, money's you I mean, gotta pay attention. It's, yeah. You gotta pay attention to it. It's not but sometimes the Lord's gonna say something to you and all the all the stars don't align. Yeah, that's you right. Know, it's a it's a word of faith. And you and you need that tension of faith people and that's right. uh, more frugal, uh, analytical minded people. But one of the things we continually come back to, and I try to remind all of us, is that this is uh, the money that we have. People gave as an offering to do ministry. That's right. They didn't give it so that we could build a savings account that gives us a false sense of security. That's right. I never want to be in a place where I don't have to ask God what he's saying, because That's if right. he doesn't finance it, it won't happen. And if he, and if it's our idea and it's a good idea, but not a God idea, then yeah. I'm now I'm responsible for it. Yeah. But I also don't want to put us in a position where we've overextended ourselves. So finding that, that fine balance uh, in the arena of, of finances, mm -hmm. I think really takes the collective, yeah. uh, a combination of personalities and that's why and it's so important when you're putting people on your board that they're all men of God. They're they are all men can hear God. They're men of their faith because some do have more of an inclination toward the finances, but they still can have faith to move forward when it doesn't make sense. That's right. If if that's what God's saying, but the conversation because Jimmy says this to the elders, and I said this when I was the senior pastor, I would come into a meeting, I would say, "Y'all are God's voice to me." That's right. Now I'm going to share with you how I feel, uh, but whatever the end of this conversation, this is God's voice. And what I learned to appreciate so much was the process mm -hmm. that we would have an hour or two conversation about some issues. And at the end of it, you would end, end up with this decision. It was phenomenal. It, I, it, I would have made generally that decision, but it has so many better features to it mm -hmm. because it was processed through this group of elders. So, so the point we're trying to make here is the only thing that matters is hearing God. And if your governance is there to please people, if your governance is there to 
keep a budget or whatever. It doesn't work. Your, your governance has to hear God. And so, again, I know some of you are in a government that you can't change right now. Uh, it may be a, a, a congregational government. It, it may be uh, a, a denominational governance or whatever. But but I'm saying, we're saying this to say, this is what works. Yes. And if you're struggling and it's not working, that's why it's not working, is because God's not going to bless it because it doesn't represent him. And so, and, and again, I'll say this, uh, I, I did a conference, a denominational conference one time, and um, a group from the conference came to me and told me, we can't do anything you said. <laughs> After you just addressed the entire Thanks conference. Thanks for coming. <laughs> thank, thank you. Here's your honorary man. We can't do anything you said. And I said, what do you mean? Because I mean, I was talking about this stuff like this. They said, nothing you said. Our, our denomination does not allow us to make any decisions. They don't allow us to do blah, blah. And I, and I looked at these guys and I said, are you sure you belong here? And they said, they own our retirement and our buildings. That's and right. and here's, here's what I thought. I'm just going to say this, you know, for whoever's listening. For the old guys, I thought, stay where you are. You know, they're guys in their 60s or whatever, you know, 50s right, or 60s. Right. You know, you're not in a place to lose everything. Mm -hmm. You know, to the young guys, I said, get out. Why spend the rest yep. of your life in a, in a system that you don't believe in that's killing yep. you? and that, that you have no control over. Mm -hmm. And so um, <clears throat> one of the things that happens, one of the reasons that you see such dysfunctional governance is reactions. Mm -hmm. And we call it preacher beater, sheep beater. And so you find a preacher beater church, which is a congregational church, and the, the, the pastor is the servant. He's the, he's the whipping post. You, do, you come see us, you visit us, you counsel us, you marry us, you bury us, you do, you preach. You, and the, the pastor's just this, this employee, and that's all he is. Well, then he leaves. He gets beat up, and he leaves, and he starts a sheep-beating church or <laughs> a mafia church. That's right. Or he's, tired of, he's tired of the sheep beating him up, so he starts beating them up. And so you literally, you just, it's just this dysfunctional thing. Mm -hmm. like this. What, what we're representing, I'm telling you, is a balanced form of governance that God blesses that is a win-win situation. The pastor wins, the elders win, the staff, the congregation, the leaders, no one loses in this. Mm -hmm. Everybody wins. So the theocratic government, that's one of, the, one of the core principles that we believe in. The second is apostolic and prophetic guidance. And this is Ephesians 2.20, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So Ephesians 4 says, God has given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Well, a lot of times in the modern church, we only believe in pastors and teachers. Right, maybe evangelists, but apo but apostles and prophets are the foundation, That's not right. pastors, not teachers. Yeah. So I, I want us to talk about you are both apostolic, and, and we don't go around calling ourselves apostles. You know, <laughs> I put it on my business card. I'm no. Apostle Jimmy Evans. You know, whatever. capital A. I'm going to introduce you like that from now on. <laughs> so, um, so what do you call me, Bishop? You know, you always, <laughs> you always call me yeah. Bishop. But apostolic apostle just means sent one. Right. It means translocal. And it means that there is that you can replicate what's happening here over here, mm -hmm. okay, relationally, not 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 governmentally, unless it's a satellite campus, right? Okay, so through relationship, Paul and Timothy, you go through the New Testament, um, through relationship, and this is this is the relationship I have with you guys, mm -hmm. and this is the relationship you have with all of your churches, okay, and that is uh, so describe. Uh, both of you describe what you believe the role of the apostle is in the New Testament church. Yeah, well, you know, the the apostolic 
does several things, but I, I believe the role of the apostolic leader is to provide some guidance and direction. So, you know, you're an apostolic elder uh, at Trinity. Um, and so any major decision that I'm making, I'm talking to you yeah. and getting guidance and direction and wisdom. And what am I missing? I mean, and it just, it just provides real practical, tactical direction. I've got Brady Boyd who also consider apostolic. He's an <clears throat> apostolic voice into us. And again, same sort of thing really helps to provide guidance and, and direction. But I think even more than that, there, there is a, an anointing that flows when you place yourself under strong apostolic Absolutely. Uh, authority. And when I say anointing, it's just, it's just permission and favor from heaven that just helps things go forward. And mm -hmm. that's, that's why we lay hands. You know, you talk about the power of the laying on of hands mm -hmm. and you know, when, when these hands lay on something and bless them, it just transfers heavenly divine authority into the direction that we were, were headed. That's absolutely right. Lee, what do you think? Well, you said that, you know, it's a relational. And I think the primary mm -hmm. uh, aspect of apostolic ministry is relationship. You know, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, you have thousands of teachers, 10,000 teachers, but you have not many fathers. That's right. And primarily, I, I see the role of an apostle or an apostolic leader is to be a father. It's to be a father. How many pastors are going from this conference to that conference or reading this book or you know, looking on YouTube for how to solve their problems. And denominations are really corporate structures. They're not relational. That's I right, can exactly. tell you uh, so many of my friends who are in denominations have district this or Presbyterian mm -hmm. or, you know, this, but they've never met them. There's no relationship. It looks good on paper, but it's not fleshed out. And and I really think that apostolic ministry, this is what you've been to both of us. And yes. that's what we're endeavoring to be to other people is you've been a father, mm -hmm. a spiritual father. You don't dominate. You don't step in. It's like when you have grown kids, you don't show up at their house and just start changing yeah. things around. But yeah. when they, they can call you and they can ask you, and there's yeah. been different stages in their life where you've spoken wisdom into them. Mm -hmm. And part of that, as Paul said, I'm a wise master builder. It's kind of like a parent saying, I've been there, mm -hmm. I've done it, mm -hmm. and I know what you're facing. Let me help you. Let me help fix this or, or save you some pain and uh, speak into you. So I think primarily being in or having apostolic ministry is really having that family connection and the voice of a father That's in right. your life. Yeah. We're not anti-denominational. You know, I know there are denominations that provide benefits to their, <clears throat> to their member congregations, um, you know, health benefits. Um, retirement benefits, uh, loan money to churches building buildings at very low interest rates. Uh, they have gatherings, you know, mm -hmm. and stuff like this. So, and and resources, things like that. The problem is the relationship. Is I don't care how many resources you have. I don't care all that kind of stuff. That doesn't. That does not take that fatherly place. Uh, and it's just so. Jimmy was mentioning laying on of hands. You know, Hebrews six is talking about the mm -hmm. elementary principles of the faith. Six six essential foundations of the faith, you know, uh, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, resurrected dead, baptisms, and final ju eternal judgment, all the same. Laying on of hands. That's right. It's yeah. one of the six. Well, why? why and it's, it's just this crazy thing. I do a whole teaching on it. I call it forgotten doctrine. Everything in the kingdom is transferred relationally. That's right. See, the issue of laying on of hands is, and, you know, you can get a lot of stuff online or whatever, but not fathering. Mm -hmm. That's right. There's something about the fathering in the, the relationship. And so what I've put into you guys, I've put personally, relationally. That's right. What you're putting in other people, your your networks are built relationally to where you don't bring in too many churches that you can't relate to physically. 
That's right. And through you or through the people, the 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 absolute right. guys working for you. So we're not anti-denomination, but what we're saying is, if you're not getting relationship in your denomination, you can get it from an association. That's right. You can be a part of y'all's association, be a part of the denomination. Right? That's right. Oh, yeah. for yeah. sure. And let me throw this in. Uh, exactly what you said about denominations. My experience is that even within denominations, people seek out absolutely those kind of relationships right. from people inside and outside of their denominations. Right. I call them shadow networks. Yeah. It's like I'm part of this denomination, but I'm really part of, yeah. you know, my my district superintendent of my state is here, but the guy who's pastoring a church in Missouri is really my mentor. And that's what it is. It's yeah. human beings were created to be relational. Yes, we learn exactly best right. relationally. We're shaped relationally. Yeah. That takes place even within denominational lines. And part of the problems with with the and we were talking about Episcopal form of government, where you have this centralized government and a disempowered local leader. You can't tell me how to lead my flock in Amarillo, Texas, or Kalamazoo, Michigan, better than I can in the elders here, because we're on site. Yeah, we're living with these people. Yeah, right. And if Vatican City is telling me everything I'm doing, I mean, you're in Vatican City. We're, we're living in the real world over here. And so now, but if I'm making all my decisions here by myself and I don't have an apostolic voice, I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. Now with you guys, because y'all, we talk a lot and y'all will call me, you always call me, you never call me when times are good, you always call me when times are bad <laughs> and cough up all your problems on me. But, but so when we're talking and I said, and I, and I would say to you, well, this is what I would do. Well, you don't, you don't always do it. Well, it doesn't bother me. You know, we're just having a conversation. So this, I don't have any authority over either one of you. I just have, we just have a relationship and that relate. So I'm not threatening. You have to do what I'm saying. You guys call me because you just want the input. And that's what a father does. I, I appreciate you saying that. But for me to go against what you say requires <laughs> a high degree of, of yeah. the fear of God. <laughs> like, okay. Well, but, but I do try very hard not to ever be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not that you're domineering yeah. or over input. It's that's the the value and the weight that we put on your input. Yeah, that's right. And and I think that's the way that it should be. Yeah. But it it's just the apostolic and prophetic kind. So apostolic means you have a father figure, and I did not. Mm -hmm. uh, that when I became senior pastor, I was isolated. I came out of the business world. I was the the senior pastor had left. I was isolated. It was awful. So it's something you need, prophetic guidance, and this is yeah. something that is missing in mm -hmm. the church. So talk about that, Jimmy. Well, it it is so important to have prophetic input. You know, again, we're we're trying to operate in faith. What we're trying to do is hear God and operate in faith. So having prophetic input and having prophets that can speak in it again, you know, we don't necessarily call people prophets and all that sort of thing, but having those that have a prophetic voice. And we have two for Trinity that have spoken into us for, well, one for many years, Chuck Pierce mm -hmm. uh, is a, a great prophetic voice and he's come in every year, uh, but he's also someone we can reach out to and, and connect with. And then we also have Jim LaFoon, who is one of our, we would call him an apostolic elder, but he's really a prophetic elder. And he just speaks prophetically into the church and uh, he prays for us and he'll, you know, he'll call me Oh, probably once every month or every six weeks and just say, Hey, just praying for you. I believe God's saying this, you know, you might look out for this. You might be aware of what's going on here. What a you know, praying for what your a elders gift. about yeah. this. And then as, as we're looking to make decisions, we can go to guys like that and say, okay, we just want to know if you hear anything from heaven. And if they do great, if they don't, you know, that's also great, but it just gives us guidance and direction and really helps to build the faith. Yeah. Yeah. Having, having prophetic input into your church, 
not just from within, because you know all the right. all the guys who are in leadership and right. myself and all of us and probably a lot of pastors have the ability uh, to prophesy. Any sure. believer can. Yeah, the gift of prophecy and and some leaders are more prophetic. But sometimes you're so in the forest that you need a thirty thousand foot view looking mm-hmm. down, and yeah. so to get that adrenaline shot or to get that you know that just injection from an outside trusted seasoned prophetic voice will bring confirmation oftentimes to what we're wrestling with in our eldership or what i'm maybe feeling as a senior pastor but i don't know how to put into words and in the right time and the right season you know the bible says that a word spoken in season it's like it, it it's uh uh, it's like apples. What does it say? Apples of gold. It's uh-huh. it's it's valuable, and so you get this word from an outside prophetic somebody that's trusted, trusted. somebody that's proven, right? And they speak into that. It it changes everything. Well, so someone in the church um, came up to me twenty something years ago and said, "Do you know who Chuck Pierce is?" I said, "No." And they said, well, he's a prophetic guy. You know, he's respected, whatever. And you might want to have him in during Zion. Zion's mm-hmm. this thing we do at the beginning of every year. So I had Chuck in, and he he came in and gave the worst word in the history of the world. <laughs> it was. And I, it was a tough it, word. It was like, <laughs> if you weren't depressed after his message, you weren't listening. And and I thought, who is this guy? I will never have him back in the church. <laughs> Everything he said happened. That was, was that the Bucking Bronco word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Bucking Bronco word. And I mean, only I just, in Texas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it he, was awful. He did. He said, it's going to be a tough year. It's going to be like riding a oh, Bucking Bronco. It was 2001. I think it was, and he went through all of it, and then, but that's exactly what happened. It was, and so, out of morbid curiosity, (laughs) I had him back the next year. (laughs) Out of morbid curiosity, same thing. So, came back the next year, bad word. Everything happened. And he would say, watch February. Yep. Watch June. Watch Israel. Watch China. What He'd get very specific, and very specific, sure. And Chuck is just, we've known Chuck forever. Nice. He's a bowler. He's, you know, he nicest guy, great family, mm. just not, never controlling, never weird. But, but every year he would come back. He still comes back every year. Well, we started transcribing. That's right. His messages. And it, it's just, he is accurate. Jim LaFoon is the same way. Jim is very well respected also, but Jim, very loving, mm-hmm. very kind and gracious. But when he gives you a word, you know, it's, oh, yeah. it's from God. We had him zoom in. Jimmy mm-hmm. connected me with him. So we had him zoom in for our executive team uh, a couple of years ago. And he gets on. He's never met us. He knows nothing about us. He and I talked one time on the phone. He goes, tell me who's around the table because our camera wasn't working. And I, I told him who it was. And he went around for the first hour and he just gave specific words to every individual that were like dead on. We just stared at each other. Our <laughs> eyes were just like, what in the world is happening? And it wasn't like, oh, uh, you, you've got kids and God wants to bless them. You're he's going like, through a hard time. No, he's like, yeah. he says, who's that? He's like, Tim. He's like, I see your wife's pregnant and there's complications. His wife had was pregnant with twins and it just found out there were complications. Mm, I mean, he's oh just nailing things like that. It, it's incredible. But what that does for your faith. Right, that God knows He's in it. God he's got knows. It. That's right. Yeah. Well, First Corinthians fourteen, you know, pursue, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. And so, prophecy is the only gift listed everywhere. Gifts are listed mm-hmm. in Romans twelve, in Ephesians four, in First Corinthians twelve. Mm-hmm. And so, the it's it is a critical gift in the church. And again, this this is never a directive. Right, uh, Chuck right. or Jim never come in and say. 
Lord told me you're supposed to give me a quarter million dollars and yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> no. or, or you're going to do this or else. Yeah, right. Loving, relational, but it has to be accurate. And some people that might scoff at, you know, the prophetic thing, um, it sure is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting going back in church history, there was a document called the Didac or the mm -hmm. Didache that was a early first, second century document about how churches run, uh, things like prophets who were traveling through town. And a prophet was only allowed to stay in a city for like three days. I can't remember exactly, but it was like three days. And the reason for it was they didn't want him to become familiar so that he could manipulate. That's right. That's right. And you know, I, I think you can draw from that principle that yes, there's a gift of prophecy internally, but when somebody comes from the outside is uh, translocal and comes in, there's an added level of faith and responsibility That's because right. they don't know what's going on and you don't want them to you don't want be them to. localized because it takes away from the the validity of that word. And, and so if you don't have that in your church, I mean, I would just encourage you to reach out to some of us yeah. or find some tested men that uh, you can begin to build a relationship with. Well, we, we were doing a presbytery and we'll talk more about presbytery because this is another arm of the prophetic. Mm -hmm. But in, during presbytery, you know, there are words in season and things like that. And we've, we've seen the most remarkable mm -hmm. yeah. prophetic words, specific prophetic words come out, you know, in those times. So it's, it's something, you know, Ephesians 2.20 says the church is built on the foundation of apostle prophet. And some people say, well, that's talking about the original 12 apostles and the prophets of the Old Testament. No, it's talking about Ephesians 4. God has given right now, Jesus descended and he ascended. And he gave gifts to the church, apostles, apostles and prophets, the first two mentioned. And it's the foundational, foundational. So both in, in Radiant and at Trinity and the churches that we help, we try to help them with those two things. Of course, you automatically, when they're a part of your network, they have an apostolic relationship. That's right. But there's the prophetic. So the, the, third, the third one here, and we've kind of already touched on this, single headship and plural leadership. So... Outside of an elders meeting, you guys have authority to function. Mm -hmm. The elders are only elders during a meeting. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Okay. They only have authority other than their their spiritual authority for laying on of hands, anointing, right. that sort of thing. Delegated Governance authority. authority. They only have that. Yeah. So we teach kind of a three-legged stool. The senior pastor, his authority is the pulpit, the staff, and finances. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Okay. Yep. So the the pulpit means we, we decide what we're going to preach. And if it's not heresy, I don't want to hear from all the elders in <laughs> the congregation. And so, is that right? That's exactly right. That's and and right. I had, early on when I was a young <clears throat> preacher, you know, I had people tell me what to preach. And I, I never did it. And they would say, <laughs> we, want, we, we want you to preach on this and this. And I said, I have to pray and hear God. I have to get by myself with the Lord, get a burden, get messages, right. and preach it. Now, if it's heresy, you know, obviously there needs to be accountability there so we have authority over the pulpit which also means we have authority to fill the pulpit so if there's a guest speaker we decide who that is mm -hmm. okay. there's not a committee that that's that's us okay so the staff it's your staff okay. the the elders don't have authority over the staff that's right? correct that's right that's correct so i had an elder that we had to deal with years ago um and he uh staff people started coming to him with their offenses. And then he came to me representing the staff. Uh, and I explained to him, this isn't your staff. And whoever this is, I would fire them if I knew who they were. 
And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you. And I said, don't, you shouldn't because they'll lose their job. <laughs> but what I'm telling you is you won't be an elder if you do this anymore because you, you're not here to represent. So you sometimes you have a person in leadership that I had another elder who walked into our worship pastors. This is back in the days of cassette tapes. And, um, and he walked into our worship pastor's office and put down a cassette tape and thumped it and said, we're going to sing that. Mm. And so I told him, don't you ever use force of personality around this staff. This is our, this is my staff. And I, I don't want them to fear you or get their eyes off of the, the authority. And, so, and I would say it goes beyond staff to the, to the lay leadership and volunteers as well. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not just paid staff, but it's right, the entire good. leadership structure. <clears throat> right. Right. And then finances. And so let me talk about finances. Now the budget is approved by the elders. That's right. That's right. Every year. And so if the budget has, once the budget has been approved, the expenses have been approved. That's right. That's right. You don't have to go back to the elders to be able to spend the money that the budget says was approved. Yeah. Okay. But then there, there are those times. Uh, so uh, you have to have a certain amount of discretionary authority. That's right. Okay. By discretionary, we mean per instance, not budgeted. That's right. right. Okay. So you, you have an elders meeting coming up in three weeks and the ceiling fell in and you're going to have to spend $15,000 fix ceiling. You're not going to wait three weeks for an elders meeting or have to call all the elders. <laughs> Absolutely. So there, there has to, and, and every church has to decide based on your budget. And for some churches, the, the senior pastor might have a $2,000, $5,000 discretionary authority. In other churches, it might be 25000 or 50000 or whatever. But the main thing is, if the pastor doesn't have any financial authority, he doesn't have authority. That's right. If you don't have financial authority, any financial yeah. authority, you don't have authority. And basically what the elders are then saying is, hey, yeah, go run the church. Yeah, we're, we're going to take care of all, all the business. And so and what I say is uh, if you have a million-dollar budget, 3 to 5% of that budget should be discretionary. Right. Okay. Not ten, you know, if, if, if it was 10%, that means 100000 But thirty dollars to $50,000 of that budget, that million-dollar budget, should be discretionary budgeting that the staff, that the, that the senior pastor can do. Uh, delegated from the staff, sometimes maybe more than that. Uh, so single headship and plural leadership. So you run the church during the month, the staff, the pulpit, and the finances. And I would add to that the vision. The vision. The vision. Yeah. Our, our, our job as the senior pastor <clears throat> is to get the vision that we believe God is calling to flesh that out through the eldership. Uh, but we're the ones that are carrying that, yeah, carrying that's that right. vision. And then once a month, or <clears throat> once a month, y'all have elders meetings? We yes, do. Sir. Yeah. Yep. So once a month, you have an elders meeting. And in that elders meeting, then you become a fellow elder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have the same vote as everybody else. That's yeah. right. You're, you're, you're not the big stick. You're not the, you're not the, you're the chairman of the board, but that's, that's because of singular headship. That's right. You're the senior pastor, chairman of the board, president of the corporation. And in our context, I think it's the same with you guys as well, is <clears throat> we don't make any decisions until we do it in unanimity that's right i mean we will we will fight it out right. we might put it on pause for a period of time right. like you said i'm the visionary my job is to go to meet with the lord get the vision but vision then requires execution right. timing fleshing right. that out i bring that to the eldership this is what i believe god's saying and uh and we process that that's but right. we don't make moves we don't buy buildings we don't you know take on major initiatives until we are all right. in agreement together on that and and we've seen that so many times time and time again it just be the hand of god and the timing of god yes you know i, I can remember yeah. a couple of years ago we had a campus that wasn't doing great 
and it was time for us to shut it down. You know, it was obvious it was budget season. I was actually presenting the budget to the elders <clears throat> and just saying, Hey, I, I feel like we need to, need, you know, go ahead and make a move and close this campus. And uh, we talked about it and we'd had a prophetic word. Jim Rathoon had just given a prophetic word two weeks earlier, called out that campus as a blessing. He's actually calling out a blessing huh. on this campus that I know I'm going to be bringing up in an elders meeting in two weeks. I'm thinking, Jim, why are you saying that? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so this is kind of the prophetic and the eldership working together. So we're talking about this. Jim's word actually comes up. And out of all the elders, we had one elder that said, I just don't have a piece about this. And uh, and frankly, I was fairly frustrated. I was like, all right, great. Well, we'll, we'll run it another year. So we ran it another year. Now we're a year later, same meeting, budget meeting, having the same discussion. But now we all have a piece about it. But what happened in that year is in that community, there was another church, an art church that had grown up, was very successful, frankly, doing everything we were hoping we were going to be able to do. Mm. And so we were literally able to take that congregation, everybody that wanted to go, connect them to that church. They all, you know, dream teamers became dream teamers over there. It was a very seamless transition. Oh, yeah. And if we hadn't have waited the year, we would have missed such a sweet opportunity right. to care for those people. And that's how we see the theocratic government really working and, and trusting in that unanimity yeah, of, so of setting the timing of God. Well, that, that's good. So we're we're out of time, but um, th this uh, podcast has been on church government, and we hope that this has been helpful. We'll come back in the future and talk more because we, we really just are scratching the surface about a lot of these issues. But I hope that this is an encouragement to you. Some of you are in a bad situation. I hope this gives you hope. I hope this doesn't depress you. I hope it gives you hope um, that there there is a way to run church that is win-win. Everybody wins. It, it doesn't mean the church is perfect. It just means it can survive. It can deal with its problems without damaging the church or the people in the church. And so next on the next podcast, we're talking about insecurity. And this is something, and I can just tell you that, that my friends, uh, you know, and the, the people that we associate with have the largest churches in America and in, in many around the world. And everyone's insecure. Everybody's, everybody's insecure about something. But the differences are... And, and I'm thinking of people as I'm saying this, there are some uh, leaders that deal with their insecurities very successfully and very godly, and there are others that don't, uh, and it's horrible. The, your, our insecurities and the way that we deal with them as leaders, it affects everybody around us, it affects our leadership, it affects our families, it affects whether God's gonna bless our ministry or not. That's right. And so we're gonna talk about, we're gonna be have a very candid conversation about insecurity. If you like this uh, this podcast, uh, give give to us. We have an address there on the screen of how you can respond, and you can donate uh, to us that uh, support the ministry. Have, help us to keep these coming to you on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to this channel and also like this channel. And subscribing just means everything we do, you're going to get by liking it. It means more people are going to find out about it. And there's a ton of people. There are 350,000 churches in America millions around the world, and people are desperate for this kind of information. We just started doing these podcasts several months ago, and so we want to get the word out. So help us get the word out. Uh, subscribe and like, and we will see you here next time. Thank you for joining us today for more Built for War podcasts. God bless you.